0: Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a Paradox.
1: Guys, welcome to the show. This is Paradox. Welcome to Paradox. And I am Josh. I am Jimmy. And we are extremely excited today to have Barnabas Piper. Barnabas, thank you for being on the show.
2: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much for asking me to be on. And if we go, before we go any further, Barnabas... How many times did you even keep count of how many times you got beat up as a child? Being named Barnabas,
3: uh, the only person who's well—that's not true. The, the person who most regularly successfully beat me up was my older brother. I only got I only got in a couple other fights, and usually it wasn't because of was my name. Up was, by his older brother, <laughs> yeah. So
2: was, is your older brother? Is, is he like Melchizedek, or is he some other
3: <laughs> kind of biblical? I have, name? I have three older brothers, and they are Abraham, Benjamin, and then Carsten, who is the he's the Karsten? only one. Yeah. <laughs> He's, yeah, he's the he's the he's the pagan apparently. Must have been the Book of Thomas or (laughs) one of those. Well, it's a it's a German derivative for the name Christian, so it still kind of falls in the family. Literally, of course, your dad would come up with something like that. Very good. Okay, (laughs) yeah.
1: Uh, So Barnabas is an author. He's a podcaster of the Happy Rant podcast. He's also a blogger, and he works marketing LifeWay. His latest book is called "The Curious Christian," and I'd love—we'd love for you to just kind of share the heart behind the book and what kind of message you want to portray to your audience.
3: Yeah, that's a—that's a very open-ended question, which—which um, which is always—it's tough to kind of pick a starting point. But I think the—the the reason that I wrote it, the heart behind it, was because I—I saw—I saw a kind of a lack. In in Christians' lives, uh, a lack of vibrance in their faith, a lack of depth in relationship relationship, uh, a lack of engagement with with culture and understanding of people with different beliefs than they have, and and then and then looking at culture more broadly, you see some of the divisiveness in in the political context and theological context and church traditions and a thread that i saw running between all of those things is people simply lack deep curiosity so curiosity in their relationship with god means that they are not they're not excited to see what else there is about god which is really problematic when we follow a an infinite god a god for whom there's always more to be revealed and they weren't curious in their relationships which which means friendships are shallow or they dry up and they get stale And a lack of curiosity in in a cultural context means we don't seek to understand people who have different backgrounds than we do, who are of a different race or ethnicity than we are, who come from a different culture than us. A lack of curiosity in a church tradition means the younger generation despises the older generation because we are not curious about why is it that they hold dear these things, that they hold dear, and vice versa. They're not curious about the younger people to say what, what do they have to offer, what do we... What can we learn from them? What do they value? And so the the idea behind the book was, I think curiosity is a habit, a lifestyle, a mindset that brings vibrance to our relationship with God, our relationship with others, our relationship with culture, our engagements in the church and in faith. And I wanted to try to to explain that, to paint a picture of it, and then try to help people understand uh, some steps to take to begin. Pursuing curiosity. What about when
2: I think about uh, curiosity in a in a in a Christian sense? I I sort of view people as being afraid to be curious. They don't want to ask questions because they're so unsure of maybe what they believe and why they believe it. They just don't want to know. Don't bring it up. I don't even want to let my brain go there, and so they're just I I, I you know sort of fearful to ask questions. What do you see as maybe the foundation of this lack of curiosity?
3: I think, I think fear is a big part of it. And I think just apathy. I think, um, I think for Christians specifically, curiosity has become synonymous with temptation in a lot of ways, or people equate the two. So they, they are afraid that if they ask too many questions, they might stumble into something that, that is problematic, whether it's sin or doubt. I think Curiosity and doubt. There's a strong relationship between those things. Uh, the book that I wrote prior to the Curious Christian was called Help My Unbelief, and it was about faith and doubt, and the the two are are related in that they're both about questions and about asking the right kinds of questions and about where to take our questions. Curiosity is isn't intentionally pursuing life with healthy questions, and so yeah, I think Christians are afraid of they're afraid of asking the wrong questions. They're afraid of of what the answer might be. They're afraid of temptation. But then I also just think some of it is just apathy, where it is much easier to live, a, at least on the surface level, to live a life where everything has neat borders and is defined in very black and white terms. So take the political realm everyone is either right wing or left wing. Yeah, everyone is either Republican or Democrat. And so you, you, you polarize these things, and that's easier to define than it is to think I have something in common with both political parties, and I have something at odds with both political parties because that's messy. But curiosity is the thing that says I want to know the truth, and so I will, I will sort through the sticky things, the messy things, the, the complicated things uh, to try to find what is true, but that takes intentionality and effort. And most people are just too apathetic. So it's much easier to just label stuff good or bad, to say that something is in or out, and uh, and to just keep it at this very sort of simplistic, binary sort of thinking.
1: We're a marriage and parenting podcast. And, you know, certainly that a lot of this could be human nature. But I also think that it's instilled from an early age from parents, not necessarily wanting the difficult questions to be asked. You know, how how do parents play a role in all this and how maybe they can, can they help facilitate curiosity within their kids?
3: Yeah, I think, I think it's a, it's a really important question because I think kids, kids are the kind of the example of curiosity. They, they are, you know, persistently and perpetually curious. I have two daughters who are uh, middle school and elementary age respectively. And, and my, they're, they're just starting to grow out of that to get to the point where it's not quite as cool to just have wide eyed wonder at the world. And, and I want them to continue to do that. So I I want to ask questions of them. So you ask, how can parents do this, I think, I think asking questions of your kids being willing to engage their questions. So if it's questions of faith, for example, um, do not give pat answers. Because kids are too smart for that, you know. You need to give them true answers, but don't shut down questions. My older daughter is a uh, she's a skeptic, and not a not a like a fist shaking at God skeptic, but just somebody who always has one more question. But what about this? And it's imperative that I engage that so that she sees that those questions can be taken to Scripture and to God, and the and 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 the truth can be found there. My younger daughter is is a different sort of curious. She's more like just experience the world. She's a little bit more free-spirited and I need to engage that. So for her, it's, it's music, it's the outdoors, it's her being in dance and having time with friends and doing creative things and fostering that so that, and then, and then lastly is trying to help them see how those different, those questions, those experiences, those, those things that they're, that they're participating in are connected to God. So God's creative fingerprints in those things, God's openness to our questions, God's love for us, God's, you know, magnificence in nature or in music. And so that so that they begin to get a sense of the bigness of God and not kind of be shut down by because what happens is as kids get older, questions stop being cool. It stops being okay to 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 be free spirited. You kind of have to you have to kind of fit to a mold, to fit in. And I want them to see that if God, you know, if God made you a certain way and gave you a certain set of passions, it's, it's okay to participate in those and to continue to think and ask and, and wonder and, and don't get shut down by what culture tells you you have to be.
1: You know, this idea that at the end of the day, curiosity is a really healthy thing because it seeks truth. And you know, that's certainly a lofty goal that all of us Christians should have. And I guess my question is: Is curiosity a, a lofty enough thing that it should be incorporated in just our spiritual discipline practices?
3: I think so. I think um, I wouldn't call curiosity a spiritual discipline, but I would say it's the thing that gives life to our spiritual disciplines. Um, so if, if 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 a if a Christian is seeking to regularly be in God's Word and regularly be in prayer, without curiosity, those things are. I mean, it's like eating three square meals a day. That's not a very enjoyable experience. It's just sort of nutritious. But you can make three square meals a day really enjoyable by trying different foods and trying different recipes and experimenting and, and kind of exploring. And we can do the same thing. And that's what curiosity brings to the spiritual disciplines. It, it begins to see scripture not as a thing we do every day, but as a window into the infinite. Of God. So every time we look at scripture, we have the opportunity to see a thing we've never seen before about God, about God's will and God's promises and God's plan. And every time we pray, it's 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 not just a rote prayer, it's an engagement with a dynamic being. And so every time we pray can be different. We can hear differently, we can express differently. And and so, yeah, curiosity is a thing that will open up our spiritual lives, our spiritual disciplines in such a way that they don't get old. Now we'll still battle boredom because we're human, but it, I think it's I think it's essential. I think it's sort of the fuel that drives the spiritual disciplines and spiritual habits. I love you
2: you use you use the word apathy, but you also see people, it's I don't, you know, I am not sure this is a great word either, but but they're just lazy. And they they don't want to th- they don't want to think if the world can be black and white, then I don't have to think throw gray in there. And all of a sudden I'm going to have to use some synapses that I'm not comfortable with. And I remember like in um, when it comes to it's something like evolution, you know, people say, well, you know, it's either evolution or it's Darwin. And they go, no, no, no. What if God used Darwinian evolution as his means of creation? Done. Now, then I can still accept what I'm being taught in science and I don't have to look like some freakish fanatic who's clinging to my guns and religion. And but I can also believe my preacher, and my Sunday school teacher and my parents. And, it, you know, in their ma- in their mind, that makes sense. But it's being intellectually lazy. Because you 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 can't connect those two things. It's, but I do. I see it. I see it a lot with kids, but I see it in 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 parents as well. Just this unwillingness to put forth any effort. It's just easier for the world to be
3: black and white. Well, it's it's interesting that you bring up kids there because I think kids. So I, I did I did youth ministry for several years, and the thing that I, I learned about um about adolescence is that they. There is an element of laziness, but there's also just a mindset of they want the answer. So you get the classic question, like, how far can I go with my girlfriend? And they want you to tell them, like, a checklist of physical <laughs> right. activities oh, that you can cannot do. Stand and, up double is okay. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Leave room for the Holy Spirit. Um, and, uh, but, but what they're not willing to do or not able to do is to think in terms of, of standards and, um, ask questions like, is this honoring to God? Because then you have to think about every action. So like a peck on the cheek could be good or it could be bad or whatever it is. And so it's, it is this, it is this thing where you, you have to have a mindset of, 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 of active thinking and active um, sort of filtering uh, actions and motives. and, And that's hard. It's much easier. It's much easier to just say that is good. And that is bad, even if those are false labels. And the thing is that, uh, that the world can't be turned black and white. Like we try to do this. I say it's easier, but what you end up doing is alienating people. You end up alienating yourself. You end up breaking down your relationship with God. You end up being a legalist. You end up being a racist. You end up being all sorts of things um because you're not willing to to engage the unfamiliar and wrestle and and sort of navigate that gray as you put it
2: you see with parents you know again i'm i'm a firm believer that the church has done a really good job of teaching what we should believe and i think that most parents are 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 pretty okay with teaching their children what to believe the christmas story the sermon on the mount the easter story We're okay with the facts, but if we get into something like why we believe something, if we get into something like apologetics, it's almost like a a lot of parents' brains just vapor lock, And it's like, well, no, the Bible says that I believe it, and that settles it. And again, it's that unwillingness to go that extra step, because I'm telling you, as you know, our kids are asking why. You know, why do we believe? I, I got what I'm supposed to be believing, but why am I believing? Why is the Bible different than the Koran? You know, what's the difference between Scripture and the Book of Mormon? And we've got parents, again, kind of that I'm refusing to go there.
3: Yeah, and I think, I think drawing that line where so, so, if, so if your child is asking a question, like why? So you say we believe the Bible and the Bible is God's word. Okay, but why do I need to follow that? And if you're just saying that's not an okay question to ask, well, what you're doing is you're sending them elsewhere to get that answer. So you're in, instead of instead of shutting down the question, you're simply redirecting it to a source that's probably less trustworthy. Exactly. Yes. And, and so that's where that's where and that's why parents have to be curious people to say. They have to you have to turn your curiosity inward and say, what do I believe and why do I believe it? Why do I believe that scripture is worthy of me following it, worthy of but me spending time hard. in it daily or weekly. That's difficult to do. It is. It's very hard. But it's, but it's also like that's life. I mean, that's where I mean, yeah. when, and when I say that's life, I mean like that's where that's where, where true life is found.
1: We talk about kind of the apologetics questions, or even the how far is too far. Kind of what questions should we be asking ourselves on a daily basis?
3: I think I think it, I, I, that really depends on where someone is spiritually. I think for somebody like myself who is um I, I would say I'm a I'm a committed believer, I certainly have have struggles with with sins and temptations, but seeking to faithfully walk with God. So for me, when I go to scripture, the questions that I need to be asking are What can I see of God in this? Because if this is God's word, if I believe that God's word is a revelation of him, um, then then every time I open the pages, I should be able to see something of God there. And then then what does that mean for how I live life? Like, how does this shape me? Because if I'm seeking to be an image, if I'm an image bearer of God, because that's what we've all been called to be and, and tasked with being, then what I see of God should be reflected through me in some way. So how am I doing that? Um, and that's not always a, it's not always a one-to-one thing where like, I see that God is this, so I should be that exact thing, but rather I might see something of God that convicts me of a sin that then affects how I love somebody else because, because I'm dealing with something in my own life. So I think that those kinds of questions, what do I see of God? How is that reflected in my life? And how am I reflecting it outwards to other people? That's it. That's an important one, but I think some people are probably at the point where they need to they need to be asking, can I see anything of God in Scripture? Not what do I see, but do I just view this book as kind of a religious text or do I view it as a revelation? And so it's, it's, the, it's beginning to engage it that way.
2: Growing up in your home with all your siblings, how was curiosity handled in your house when tough
3: questions were asked? Were they encouraged, discouraged? They weren't discouraged. I don't remember being told, you know, shut down at any point um, in terms of by either of my parents, you know, being like, that's we don't ask those questions. You know, there was none of that. Um, I know that personally, I struggled and still do to take certain questions to my parents, because, you know, with with my dad being who he is, you know, as John Piper, author, writer, I. I kind of know the answers he's likely to give before he gives them. And that's no fault of his own. And it's not like he has taken a stance that pushes me away necessarily, but, but I just, I know him well enough to know those things. And so I, I found other outlets for those questions sometimes, but my parents were never judgmental or harsh about it. And they did foster curiosity by being very open-handed in terms of the kinds of books we could read and the kind of conversations we could have. And, and the, the activities that we engaged in, there there was no sort of, there was no, the, no lid on those things. And they also did a really, really excellent job of teaching me how to ask f- those filter questions. So instead of saying, should I or should I not do this? They would always ask, why do you want to do that? So why do you want to see that movie? Why do you want to listen to that music? So it wasn't a don't listen to it. It was a think through what's good about it or what's not good about it. And that that fostered in me those, that mindset of asking why digging to the bottom of things. And that's, um, that has been profoundly helpful as I've wrestled with belief and doubts and, and what do you know, who do I follow? What do I believe over the course of, you know, over the course of my life? And they gave me that and they showed me how to do that.
1: Guys, Run, Do Not Walk, The Curious Christian. Barnabas, thank you so much for being on with us. It was a blast. Thank you. If you want more information from Barnabas, it is BarnabasPiper.com. You can also search him on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Again, it's Barnabas
3: Piper. Now, listen, is it okay? Does anyone call you Barney? Uh, people have, and earlier you asked how many times I've been beat up for being called Barney. (laughs) The next question is how many people have been beat up for calling me Barney? So, um, Josh was wanting to, to, and I I told him probably that wouldn't be a good idea. Yeah. I mean, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. I don't know where you guys live.
2: Well, listen, if you are ever in Austin, because you've now become one of my favorite interviews. Mm -hmm. And so I will, Enchilada Zimas is on me oh
3: so if well, I'm, you're I'm in Austin. Here. I'm in Austin a couple of times a year. I may have to take you up. All on right, that. text Mex.
1: That's
2: it. Inshallah, <laughs> Dzimas, on me because you made the wall to the to the paradox uh, uh, wall of fame.
1: So, and as a podcaster, you. do you do interviews?
3: Uh, I yeah, I, I have done a fair number. I co-hosted a leadership podcast for a few years through Lifeway that I just recently stepped away from. But I yeah, I did a couple hundred interviews.
1: Just to give you an idea of our wall, all of our guests have been our favorites. See, that's not true. So Jimmy does not discriminate. <laughs> that is not
3: true. I'm speaking up to him individually.
1: <laughs> and speaking of that, we but didn't have time to, to run past it. <laughs> uh, but definitely check out Barnabas' podcast. It's the Happy Rant Podcast. And maybe give us a 15 to 20 second plug.
3: Yeah, the Happy Rant Podcast, I co-host with Ted Cluck and Ronnie Martin. And our goal is, as three Christian guys, who love to you know be sarcastic and have a sense of humor, sort of turn that on issues of culture in the church, in large part to give Christians the permission to to have a good time, to laugh, but also to be thoughtful. so we'll we'll take on some things that are utterly ridiculous, some things that are more serious. We love to poke fun at each other, at culture, at whoever. And it's uh, we just try to have a good time and listeners, seem to enjoy it. The, the numbers are good and feedback great. is great. And we have a really good time doing it. And that's, that's really why we do it because we love it.
1: Yeah, feel free to let Jimmy be one of your targets to make fun of. There's so oh, many um, i
3: No, I'll, I may bring your podcast up. And so we'll give you a plug <laughs> while making fun of you. That's how we do things. Yes. I like that. Barnabas, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having Appreciate me on.
2: It. I don't want to bring up my book again. I hate, you know, I hate self-promotion. But he could have been the poster child for the whole deal of of fearless parenting, the idea of taking on your kids' questions and not being afraid and not running away. Yes. And because of that, I think he was brilliant.
1: He said, Prayer is engaging a dynamic being. The idea that curiosity can foster that within our prayer life. So many. I'm speaking for myself our prayer lives can be just dry and by rote yeah and and so engaging with a dynamic being being curious to ask questions and want to know God's nature that is the same yesterday and today and tomorrow but it's also a dynamic changing type entity in the sense that he is living and breathing
2: I love yeah, you know, first of all, I love the concept of the book because I think for the longest time, especially people my generation, certainly and older, are, are petrified of asking questions because it was in some way signifying a lack of faith if you ask questions. And so it, the, the, the questions were discouraged and it, almost in some way that it was, a, it was a mark of a lack of faith If you were asking them. And so I like it that he's challenging believers today that we've got to step up. And, you know, again, semi sort of uh, in keeping with fearless parenting, this idea that we just can't keep doing it the way we've always done it. That that this generation, this culture requires more of us. And some of us don't like it. Some of us want to just believe what we've always believed and close our door and not engage. But that when you have children and they're engaging in, we don't have that option anymore. I think for for such a time as this, God is just requiring more of us than ever before.
1: If you want any links from today's show with Barnabas, go to paradoxpodcast.com. We'll also have links to his social media and website as well as our social media. So definitely check us out there. We enjoyed it today. Hope you did as well. And we'll talk to you next week. See you.
0: Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to therapywithbilly.com. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox...
2: We break in... To give you a <laughs> news bulletin. <laughs> your child, no matter who your child is, no matter what sex your child is, no matter how much they weigh, no matter how intelligent they are, or talented they are, or how gifted they are, your child will never play ever, pro ever, sports. Ever. Ever. Not going to happen. Zero your chance. simply is not going to happen. Well,
1: there's like a point zero zero one percent chance. Correct. But it's not going to happen.